Hello, hello. Welcome to another hometown daily news show. Let's get right into it. Hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And today is December 1st, 2022. I have now done 335 episodes in a row. This will be the 335th. I almost missed the six o'clock time period. I was supposed to start it right at six, but I didn't because, well, a power surge went through the entire enterprise uh, of a, of a location and, um, <laughs> had to go make sure everything was okay. Well, it might be, but there's going to be downtime, but not here in hometown. Hometown is a little, it's a nexus of a bunch of power lines, uh, making up whatever multiverse you care to think about. And in that nexus is hometown. And I am Mayor Watt. You get it? Anyway, I'm being kind of goofy today because at the last minute, right before I was supposed to do the shoe, I get a phone call. Massive power surge. Beautiful. Let's get into today's show. I've got about 11 articles, about 50% of which were submitted to me. So you can submit them too. You can either send them via hometown or send them via discord or send them via Twitter or send them via exclamation point showbot. If you type in that, you will also be able to type in exclamation point S and then whatever you want to send me a URL. I'll, I'll get that URL. It'll get sent over to hometown.showbot.tv. And there you can vote on articles that you think are interesting. I don't have a title yet because I basically had done a lot of my vetting of articles earlier today. Um, and in the last hour and a half or so, I haven't been able to get any other news, but this one is interesting. And I, I build the title off of the articles. So scientists revive, oh, this is in the daily news show. So with this show, um, it's also a channel on hometown. So you can go over there and get news specific to the hometown daily news show. At any rate, everything gets included in this stream. Scientists revive zombie virus after 50,000 years trapped in Siberian permafrost. So do you know how zombies are made? This is it. Do you know how horror films are made? They become documentaries when scientists revive a zombie virus after 50,000 years of being trapped in the Siberian permafrost. The thing, for instance, right? 1982 film, Kurt Russell, Keith David, and of course, Wilford Brimley. That used to be the name of one of my characters on uh, World of Warcraft, a hunter, uh, Wilford Brimley. Um, anyway, T.K. Carter, 
Yeah. You know what you don't do? You don't revive a virus at 50,000 years. Anyway, researchers documented 13 never before seen viruses that have been lying dormant, frozen in thick ice over tens of thousands of years. This is over at common dreams and it's from common dreams staff. I'm sure that there was a lot of collaboration in this one. I wonder what they actually say in here. So the researchers warned it may be the tip of the iceberg. One quarter of the Northern hemisphere is underlain by permanently frozen ground referred to as permafrost, which is kind of like my career. Due to climate warming, irreversibly thawing permafrost is releasing organic matter frozen for up to a million years, each of which decomposes into carbon dioxide and methane. Yeah, I read a lot of methane. Anyway, what you don't do, I'll just summarize this. What you don't do is revive zombie viri. Let's move on to the next article. Again, you can get all of these articles just by going over to hometown.showbot.tv. They're already there so that you can just click on a link and go over to the article that's at hometown, read the snippet and click on visit the source. It'll get, it'll take you straight over to the source. Hence visit the source. There you can read more if you don't like my summary or my summary is effective and teases you into going over and reading the article so that you can come back and talk with me. That's what the chat's all about. Come and hang out. Maybe you'll learn something, a little something. Uh, maybe you'll cogitate on something that you never cogitated before. Yeah, I don't know. Life pro tip, maybe. I've had those before in here. At any rate, this next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Feds charge 21 people in global crypto money laundering bust. Is this FTX? No. Sorry, I that thought just popped out there. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Texas announced on Wednesday that it has charged 21 people in a crypto money laundering network. What am I doing wrong here? Um, let's see, Rohan Goswami, um, or Goswami, I'm not sure how they pronounce their last name. Um, it says the U S attorney, the U S attorney's office for the Eastern district of Texas announced on Wednesday that it has charged 21 people in a massive transnational crypto money laundering network. It's like blacklist law enforcement officials said that an annual flow of over $300 million is laundered and it's been disrupted along with the seizure and forfeiture of millions in cash and cryptocurrency. Quote, this case proves that we can track people down and charge them, end quote, says a Secret Service resident agent in charge, Bill Mack, who told CNBC's Amon Javers. I like how they silhouette this. A member of the U.S. Secret Service speaks on a cell phone as U.S. President-elect Donald Trump attends meetings at the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. on November 10th, 2016. That's how they had to do that? Had to use that person and make a reference to that person from six years ago? All right. Not sure why. Hmm. 
Randall Rule, 71, and Gregory Nicewander, 64, were indicted in federal court for allegedly laundering more than $2.4 million in proceeds from wire fraud and mail fraud schemes using cryptocurrency. You know, kind of bucking the trend, right? Because I thought that the olds weren't capable of uh, correcting their flashing 12 o'clock on a VCR, but apparently they're capable of wire fraud, mail fraud, and cryptocurrency money laundering. In August, the U.S. Treasury sanctioned currency mixer Tornado Cash, which the federal government claimed had been used to launder more than $7 billion of cryptocurrency since its creation. Shortly after the sanctions, Tornado developer Alexei Hertsev was arrested in Amsterdam for alleged involvement in concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering, according to Dutch law enforcement. Huh. I wonder. Never mind. You know, it just seems like a lot of criminal activity. I'll just leave it alone. Let's move on to the next article. This next article is over in the continuity report. You see, the articles that I select, um, they get aggregated into six main categories and then 50 channels within that. One of them is the continuity report, which is about basically movies, TV, anything entertainment that has to do with visual, uh, anything, the continuity of something. And um, this one here is titled Disney branded television to develop animated sitcom Intercats with Ralph Breaks the Internet, Moana writer, Pamela Ribbon. I think it's pronounced Ribbon. There's only one B, so might be Ribbon. Anyway, currently titled Intercats, the series is said to be about the cats who produce the historical cat videos, hysterical, not historical, the hysterical cat videos that go viral on the internet. It features a ragtag team of cats aspiring to get what all cats want, their independence. Really? Cats want independence? I thought they, they just wanted to watch me scoop their poo out of the cat box. Joe Otterson over at Variety.com wrote this article. And I guess this here is a Pamela, Rib Pamela Ribbon, who is the writer of Ralph Breaks the Internet and Moana. Yeah, if you've never, if you're not watching the stream, then you'll have to go and watch the VOD either on Twitch or uh, over on YouTube. Eric Darnell is the creator and executive producer of Intercats. Darnell is Baobabs, I guess. Baobabs co-founder and chief creative officer, as well as the writer and director of Baba Yaga, Madagascar, and Ants uh, with a Z. Gary Marsh is also an executive producer. Hmm. Is it Johnny Chandra? Will direct. Spies in Disguise director is going to direct this as well. Well, that'll be interesting, but it's so meme-y. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be interested in it because talking about how cats power the internet just really, it's so old school. It's such a trope, you know? I mean, but it's old. Ralph Breaks the Internet was pretty pretty amazing. I mean, I thought it was a really cool story. Moana was a really cool story, but it wasn't a trope. 
I don't know. Let's move on. The next article is over in the Word and Tech. Google Stadia hardware refunds will be issued within two weeks. Google will be issuing refunds for Stadia hardware purchased uh, from the Google Store within two weeks, according to an email sent to customers on Wednesday. That means the refund should arrive well ahead of cloud gaming services impending January 18th shutdown. Purchases of the Stadia controller, the Founder Edition, the Premiere Edition, and Play and Watch with Google TV packages are all eligible for refunds, according to Google Stadia's shutdown FAQ. At the time of the shutdown announcement, Google committed to refunding hardware and software purchases, and it had begun software refunds earlier this month. I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, This is by Jay Peters. This article is by Jay Peters over at The Verge. If you bought Stadia hardware on the Google Store, you'll be getting your money back. I wonder, is that the only way that you could have purchased it via the Google Store? Um, Let's see here. See if there's anything else going on. You won't be able to play any games on the service anymore after Stadia shuts down. A few developers, including Bethesda, CD Projekt Red, have spelled out how you can bring your Stadia saves over to other platforms. I wish you all luck. Um, I'm, I think, I think uh, software should be able to be purchased in a single spot and then played wherever a service allows you to play. That way, you don't really run into anything like this, where you purchase the software, the hardware, everything all on one source, but it's like books, it's movies, it's music. If I purchase it somewhere, I should be able to consume it anywhere a service allows me to consume it, but everybody silos the purchase. But, you know, maybe I'll purchase something on your platform and watch it on somebody else's platform simply because I have a key that says that I purchased it. But, you know, that's just not, that's not really how business works, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'd like to buy something on uh, GOG and be able to play it wherever, you know, even if Stadia is not just as an example, I'd like to play it on Stadia. Um, but I didn't necessarily, I couldn't necessarily do that, but I can't buy a book on one platform. Um, and read it somewhere else or take it with me to some other platform it's stuck on that platform like you know audible is stuck right there books and movies and music and all that stuck right there i have to buy it somewhere else yeah games included you know games on steam they're stuck there i can't play them somewhere else i i can't sell them to somebody else i can't do anything with it it's stuck right there Kind of a bummer. Anyway, the next article, um, and it's the reason why. Let me make sure that my stream uh, title is correct. It said so. The title for this is actually "Conflict Made Other Companies Rich." Why not mine? And more news. And no, it's not political. Um, Amazon CEO said it will continue to sell anti-Semitic documentary. For now, we quote. We have to allow access to those viewpoints, even if they are objectionable, end quote. Um, sure, but why make money? Um, Amazon CEO Andy Jassy, who has been under fire for the e-commerce giants, continuing to sell an anti-Semitic book, 
and movie declined to say whether the company would remove them after the backlash. Jassy speaking to the New York times um, said, well, however, those view- viewpoints are perceived, even if they're objectionable, you should be able to, I don't sell it. So continues to sell a book that I'm not even going to, I won't even say it. Um, and denies that millions of Jews died during the Holocaust and asserts that Jews control the media. You know what controls the media? Money. That's it. Not, not Jews. Not anyone. It's a whole bunch of people that are spending money and the media is owned by uh, various people and they are making money and they are buying stuff and that's how it works. So if, if a multitude of people don't want something, then they won't buy it. This, but that's not always true. What people will buy is a train wreck is a dumpster fire and they'll watch and they'll, they'll soak it all up. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't want <laughs> what you do is you talk about this stuff. You don't make money off of it. You don't go out and, and, uh, dis- you, you can't deny it. <laughs> this, this stuff happened. <laughs> it's just, it's so shocking to deny something like this and to make an assertion that, you know, quote unquote, Jews own the media. It's God, it's so disgusting. Uh, you have to, you have to sit there and look at it and, and just shake your head and wonder how, how do you get to this point? You know, I, I heard one person talking about this kind of thing and said that the reason why they knew that there was a problem because their, uh, what was it? Their Jewish daycare, um, person forced them to share their candy or toy or something like that. Blew me away, blew me away that you justify, you know, blaming a plurality of people for your hate because a caregiver taught you a life lesson about being social. You antisocial twats. Anyway, according to Jassy, we have to allow access to those viewpoints, even if they're objectionable. Hundreds of millions of customers with a lot of different viewpoints. Ah, yes, it's the there's a lot of good on both sides. Yeah, but you can actually point out the bad in the bad sides. Right. Amazon chief said the decision to remove he I won't say it is less straightforward than pulling content that actively promotes violence or, and then they say something else. I'd like to be more real and say these things, but, um, it irks me to, I can say them out loud. I can talk more free, but there are rules on different websites. So, we're kind of stuck by the rules. 
After the team temporarily suspended him and Nike dropped his shoe line, Irving made a $500,000 donation to the Anti-Defamation League and he apologized for promoting the film because it became a bestseller on Amazon after the film was promoted by Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving on Twitter. I, I don't know how anybody could... I haven't seen it. Okay, so maybe that's the problem. If I were to see it, maybe I could sit there and go, oh, okay, okay. Um, it's a level-headed response to whatever the context is. But I'm sitting here looking at it going, well, wait, 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 wait. It's qualified as being a denying a, a, a documentary or a, a, a movie about... Um, or a book about, it's a book and a movie, um, about uh, denying the Holocaust. And, and so I can't sit there and go, yeah, you know what? I want to watch that. Because denying it is uh, false. You, you can't deny it. Plenty of evidence. Anyway. Amazon sells other controversial Items including an edition of Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf for the Kindle and uh, the page for Mein Kampf indicates that the proceeds from the sales are donated to a Jewish charities and organizations. Good. If that's true, then good. You know what's going to stop somebody from buying that is somebody that actually believes in Mein Kampf, right? Because if they go, well, every time I purchase this, it's helping Jewish charities. Well, if you are a bigot, then you won't pay for it. You'll go and steal it off the internet. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. Just justifying it is kind of smarmy. I just don't like that, you know? Anyway, that's like allowing somebody into your house and because they pay you $25, you allow them to rant about how they hate your black neighbors. But then after an hour, you hit your limit and say, well, if you pay me another 20 bucks, I'll let you rant for another hour about how you, you know, hate my other neighbors <laughs> um, because they're Jewish or <laughs> whatever else you know, a bigot is going to bigot it about. <laughs> uh, so it just doesn't make any sense. You own the place. If you don't want hate speech, you can shut it down. You have the right to re refuse service to anyone, including somebody that's paying you a couple of bucks so that you can sell hate speech. Anyway, the stuff goes away because it gets pushed under a rock. Not because we give it all free discussion. You know, you can say it anywhere. No, you can't. Society doesn't like it. There's a niche of society that does, but not everybody. Let's move on. The Word in Tech is the next channel. Um, this was aggregated into from TheVerge.com. SpaceX almost doubles its current Starlink prices uh, in Ukraine. Again, it goes back to the title. Conflict made other companies rich. Why not mine and more news? The price of Starlink satellite terminal 
has almost doubled in Ukraine, according to a report from Financial Times, allowing increased demand for the SpaceX satellite de devices and targeted Russian attacks on the country's electrical grid that have caused communication networks to fail. So the monthly subscription required to use the service has also climbed from $60 to $75 on December 29th, according to emails sent to Ukrainian Starlink customers and the Starlink set, um, the terminal, is set to increase to $700 from $385. Again, conflict made my company really rich. So, well, all these other companies. So why not mine too, right? That's how it works. Oh, look at conflict. I can make some money. Again, uh, this is from theverge.com. Jess Weatherbed is the author. The increased rates come as Ukrainian network providers scramble to restore services affected by Russian attacks on the region's energy grid. Richest man in the world. Doubles the price. That's really should be the title. Richest person in the world doubles the price of Starlink terminals and raises the rates for the subscription service because any amount of support is socialism and socialism is communism and communism is bad and i'm a capitalist i think everybody should be paid for a service that they offer but i don't sit there and say well i'm the only one that can provide water during this fire so guess what i'm gonna do i'm going to charge everybody extraordinary prices in a conflict zone. Anyway, the prices increase. Uh, the price increases affect individual users, so it's unclear whether the Ukrainian government, which has obtained Starlink from various donors such as SpaceX and NATO, will also be impacted. That's right. The the middleman gets kind of screwed here. If the government is not supporting it. So, let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is The Word in Tech, finding from a 2000 year old Uluburin shipwreck reveal complex trade network. So, uh, more than 2000 years before the Titanic sunk in the North Atlantic Ocean, another famous ship wrecked in the Mediterranean Sea off the eastern shores of Uluburin. I'm not sure where that is, but it says here it's in present day Turkey, carrying tons of rare metal rare metal at that time since its discovery in 1982 scientists have been studying the contents of the Iluburun shipwreck to gain a better understanding of the people and political organizations that dominated the time uh, let's see known as what so this is from the university of washington or sorry washington university in st louis um it's over at fizz.org and um let's see to gain a better understanding of the people and political organizations that dominated the time period known as the late what it actually gets truncated in the article itself known as the late nice anyway now a team of scientists including michael fricetti professor of archaeology and arts and sciences at the washington university in st louis have uncovered a surprising finding small communities of highland pastoralists living in present-day Uzbekistan 
in Central Asia produced and supplied roughly one-third of the tin found aboard the ship, tin that was en route to markets around the Mediterranean to, made, to be made into coveted bronze metal. I think it's uh, copper and tin make bronze. Uh, the research published on November 30th in Science Advances has been made or was made possible by advances in geochemical analyses that enabled researchers to determine with high level of certainty that some of the tin originated from a prehistoric mine in Uzbekistan more than 2,000 miles from Haifa, where the ill-fated sh uh, ship loaded its cargo. So what's really interesting is this is doing like gas spectrometer research allows you to locate um you can figure out where something is mined because the chemical makeup of the material uh, acts like a signature and so you do gas uh, mass spectrometry and gas chromatograph uh, readings of the material and it is like a fingerprint and so something that was uh, discovered in the United States, for instance, uh, you can do an analysis of the metal and it can point to mines and stuff over history. As long as we find them, we can tag them, do basically a sampling of the material. And I say we because uh, part of what I do uh, isn't really in this field. But anyway, does I'm rambling at any rate, the the mines and stuff are basically mapped out um, around the world when they were being used and what they produced and, and even the waste products that were left outside of the mine. Um, all of it is qualified and quantified. And then when somebody says, well, what's the provenance of this thing that we found over here, they can do a reading of it and say, well, the metal is from this mine in Europe. It's pretty fascinating. So Frigetti and other archaeologists and historians were enlisted to help put the puzzle together. Their findings unveiled a shockingly complex chain that involved multiple, multiple steps to get the tin from the small mining community in the Mediterranean market, uh, from the small mining community to the Mediterranean marketplace. Yep, bunch of middle people moving stuff from left to right. The Luberin excavation images showing copper oxide, it's oxide? No, oxide, gotta be oxide. Uh, ingots, those are massive. Hmm. So to put it into perspective, this would be like the trade equivalent of the entire United States sourcing its energy needs from small backyard oil rigs in central Kansas. Well, we could do that. Anyway really fascinating the article goes into much greater detail um, but the nuts and bolts of it is that um yeah it starts out in you know eastern asia and ultimately ends up pretty much all around the mediterranean i'm sure but that's the implication um that it's a huge trade network let's move on to the next article I've um, got about five more to go. Modern trackball mouse wants to be a wireless solution to your ergonomic ergonomic woes. Trackballs aren't exactly a trendy PC accessory. Hey, guess who uses one? Mayor Watt. Anyway, 
their heavy, clunky builds bring uh, dated vibes to office setups. That's not the... What does it matter? It's not clunky. It sits there. It's a trackball. It's not a mouse. Even I have heavier mice, for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? A Logitech gaming mouse is... Yeah, probably about twice as heavy as my mouse. This article is insane. Anyway, if you have a physical issue such as carpal tunnel syndrome, yay. That's why you get a split keyboard. That's why you get a trackball. They're just as fast and efficient as mice. Actually better because they don't have to be slid around on a trackpad or a, a, a mouse pad or have free space open. I mean, my, my desk is jam-packed. I have a 72-inch by 3-foot-wide desk, and I've got monitors, monitors, monitor, monitor. All kinds of other equipment here, for crying out loud, people. I think that it's time. The trackball revolution begins in 2023. It starts now, but we're uh, there's dozens of us. Like never nudes, there are dozens of us who love trackballs. I don't want carpal tunnel syndrome or RSI, repetitive strain injury. And that's why I use a trackball. That's why I use a split keyboard. Everybody should be doing this, by the way. Follow Mayor Watt's advice. We should start a movement. Anybody who might hear this. While generally larger and heavier than traditional mice, trackball make it easier to keep your hand and arm in a neutral position and avoid pronation. Because you don't want pronation. And because you don't push the trackball track mice around on top of your desk, they can be more accommodating of tight workspaces. Does this article sound like it's coming directly from me? This is somebody else's article. They must... Sharon Harding over at Ars Technica must be tapping into my single brain cell. Trackball mice are still niche or niche. But modern features keep new releases relevant. Yup. Although I don't like the Kensington mice. That's what that is on the desk. At any rate, uh, basically a trackball is a mouse flipped upside down and you roll around the ball. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Except that mice don't have trackball. I don't have balls anymore. <laughs> that's a really odd turn of phrase. Uh, might have to clip that out of my stream there. 34 minutes into it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, they're amazing. Uh, and, and they're just as fast and you can program them just like other button uh, just like any other input device like mice you know, multiple buttons this one here has like 11 programmable buttons on it and I can switch between layers uh, you just this article I think is highlighting the benefits of it and I think that everybody else should go out and get a trackball in fact this particular trackball is the deft pro just a little word of warning though I have swapped out its bearings it it has little ball bearings uh, but they're not you know they're just they're little spheres that keep the ball from just laying flat inside its holder so it's like a smooth uh, rolling ball inside a cup anyway they use some type of artificial ruby 
ball and uh, I had to replace it with ceramic bearings so that um, it was actually smooth because it would stick uh, and I'm not sure why it would stick but um, I replaced those and now I have to replace the switches the micro switches that are on it because when I click once sometimes it will click about 15 times um, and uh, I think I've complained about this before so I'll just move on anyway it says here this Tuesday Kensington one of the biggest names in trackball mice they should just call them trackballs released a new trackball mouse the slim blade pro trackball which i don't like the looks of it's too flat and wide i like them vertical like the deft pro anyway but accompanying that 2.17 inch wide piercing red orb that can scroll up and down and twist are modern considerations for one, the wire the mouse is wireless. Okay, so is the Deft Pro. You can connect it to a PC or Max. So, yeah, big deal. Or even a USB A cable. This is actually I think it's USB C. I don't remember. I'd have to. I actually have it plugged in because I don't like swapping batteries. Anyway, might be USB C. At any rate, go and investigate trackballs, please, and get a split keyboard. Uh, mine is the Mistel split keyboard. I have a silenced one, but uh, I have a loud mechanical one sitting over here on my other desk. Go check them out. I'm going to move on. D&D is replacing the word race in character creation. Quote, we do not intend to return to that term. I guess that's fine. Um, so, yeah, they've been doing a lot of stuff trying to... Um, I guess do a course correction and how people perceive D&D um, &D as promoting racial stereotypes, but I think it's fantasy. So I'm not sure if that's really, I don't know. I, I grew up with D&D &D and I don't see the word race as if it is an issue. Um, I can tell, I know from experience that some of the stuff that I observed when I was much, much younger, um, then it didn't matter to me. I did not see what they, what people see today as being anything other than a fantasy character, regardless of what people say today, back then, uh, I was a kid and didn't see things like that. Um, so it says it hasn't gone all, uh, hasn't all gone smoothly after the criticism of the way Spelljammer's flying monkey people called Hadozi resembled racist stereotypes. Wizards of the Coast first apologized and then changed its review process to include cultural consultants for all D&D books. And to some degree, I think that it's fine. Um, but creativity can sometimes have a chilling effect put upon it by uh, over-controlling, um, you know, what the output is. Obviously, you don't want to be racially insensitive. You don't want to be culturally insensitive. You don't want to be uh, gender insensitive. You you don't want to be insensitive. Um, but fantasy is fantasy, and it isn't necessarily there to exploit racial stereotypes. 
but I get it when somebody um, or a whole host of people um, say this is wrong. Okay, fine. Correct it. You know, make sure that it doesn't happen again. And that's what D&D is doing. So the next step, as explained in a blog post published on uh, D&D Beyond today, is to move on from using the word race to describe elves, dwarves, and various other options players can choose from the making uh, when making their character which was has honestly always seemed inappropriate even ignoring the fact that it used to describe options as disparate as humanoid dragons talking plants and basically robots okay I, i don't know maybe somebody can explain this to me why the term race is a problematic term that has been prejudiced links between real world people and the fantasy peoples of uh, D&D. So what is going to be their ultimate change? From now on, player characters will choose a species instead. Is that true? Is that really where they're going? So we're, we're pushing the can over from race to species. Okay, so now are we going to be speciesist? Speciesist? Is it speciesist? I don't know. But I can understand if the context of the artwork and the writing comes across as racist, then it's racist. But elves versus dwarves, they are two different races, right? I, I thought that's what they are. Maybe not two different species. Okay. Well, when we find aliens and they find us being specious because we are referring to people as species. That's okay though. The latest set of playtest rules for one D and D reflect this using the word species instead. We have made the decision to move on from using the term race everywhere in one D&D, and we do not intend to return to that term. Wizards of the Coast says the term species was chosen in close coordination with multiple outside cultural consultants. All right. There you go, folks. This next article is the in the word and tech canoe repurposed its bubbly electric pickup truck for the U.S. Army. I would like to actually order mine. I have a pre-order for it. It's perpetually on hold, I believe. Um, Canoe, which was founded in 2017 by two former employees of Faraday Future, has developed several EV concepts, one of which, by the way, I have a pre-order on and I would like to see it. Struggling EV startup Canoe, that's not a good start, which is ironic for an EV, get it? Not off to a good start. Anyway. It's first electric pickup truck to the U.S. Army for analysis and demonstration. Yeah, it's only got 250 miles, uh, so I guess it can go out to the battlefield and stay there. Um, the company's light tactical vehicle, LTV, is built on the same platform as Canoe's Duplo toy-looking EV prototype truck that was first revealed in 2021. Back in July, the Army announced that it had awarded Canoe a $67,500 contract. Really? That's it? Is there a million in there? $67.5 million? 
contract to produce a new light to heavy duty battery electric vehicle or series hybrid electric wheeled vehicle for government analysis and demonstration. $67,500 to develop one? That's wild. Anyway, the light tactical vehicle was developed as part of a $67,500 military contract to supply a multi-purpose electric vehicle to the army. You'd think that they would be paying millions of dollars to develop something that's specific. Anyway, Andrew J. Hawkins over at The Verge is the author of this. And um, that's probably, I'm hoping that it's a $20,000 premium over what the standard for this would be. But this is kind of the truck that I am looking to get. So it's an EV utility vehicle that looks like this on both sides. It basically looks like a pill. Um, but inside it's all electric and it has little cubbies all over the place. It's kind of sort of like a half priced Rivian, but I believe it'll have a longer range and it'll better have a better ride um, and much more room inside because it goes all the way back. But you can get one that's like this pickup truck style, or you can get one that's completely enclosed, uh, more like a minivan. Uh, but I think that this thing is fun. It just looks fun and I want one. And I wish that canoe would send me an email and say, Hey, yours is ready. The all wheel drive vehicles drivetrain can put out 600 horsepower with air springs, a raised suspension and 32 inch all-terrain tires to build higher ground clearance suitable for extreme or rugged conditions. Sign me up. If that's what it is for 60,000, 65,000, I'm next in line, please. Canoe was founded in late 2017. Its first reveal was 2021 though. I think, um, let's see. Krauss and some of the other executives who co-founded co Canoe, which was then called Evelocity, oh my god, were sued by Faraday Future for poaching employees and allegedly stealing trade secrets, though the lawsuit was settled in late 2018. Yeah, you can't steal somebody's intellectual capacity, for crying out loud. Anyway, maybe there was more there. I didn't read the article, so I don't know what they are actually referring to. But poaching someone? Yeah, I don't know provide a better service and maybe I'll stay as an employee. I don't know how me offering a better package to an employee is poaching. Quit being a big baby about it. The automaker has several EVs in the works, including the MPDV, a multi-purpose delivery van. It's an actually bigger vehicle and the canoe pickup truck, which is what I'm looking for. The toyish truck showed just how far canoe is willing to push the design of the microbus style vehicle for its first debut back in 2019 it's pretty slick i think it's a, a fun little vehicle and i want it so finally the last article for today is the federal reserve to slow interest rate rises or increases as it tackles 40-year inflation high the federal reserve chair jerome powell indicated the central bank is preparing to slow the pace of interest rate hikes as it tackles a 40 year high in inflation, but Powell warned that there would be more ground to cover and rates would stay higher for an extended period. And that's what I've been saying that I think it's gonna be a decade before this actually reduces again. Um, but we'll see uh, the, you know, I, I guess the pool of cash has to be drained and it'll get drained from the middle class because the upper class is investing money 
and they're going to make their 8 to 12% be damned the interest rate. In a speech to the Brookings Institution, Powell said that the Fed may increase its key interest rate by smaller increment at its December meeting, only a half point, which is tremendously high actually, after four straight three-quarter point hikes. I did not think that there would be a three-quarter point hike. Uh, uh, what was it last last month? Um, not last month, but in, uh, in uh, October, I think it was. Anyway, um, and now there's going to be another one here in December that could be a half point. I figured that there would be a total of one point between the last one and any future one between December and January, but they're going to push this in before the end of the uh, calendar year, um, let alone the fiscal year for various companies. So um, if you were thinking that you were going to buy a car and finance it, think again, very high. If you think that you're going to get student loans, they will be 6% plus. If you think that you're going to get a credit card, you're looking at 30%. You know, people have perfect credit and they're still getting told it's going to be a 30% interest rate. <laughs> Who's going to do that? You're out of your mind. Anyway, let's see if there's anything else interesting in this article. Um, I always encourage you to go and uh, check out the article. This is um, an article over at The Guardian. Again, it's titled Federal Reserve to Slow Interest Rate rises as it tackles i hate i don't know how they it's so hard to say that federal reserve to slow interest rate rises as it tackles 40-year inflation high okay slow interest rate rises anyway dominic rush in new york and philip inman in london wrote this article um, and i think down here it's kind of interesting the consumer price index fell across the 19-member euro currency block to 10% in October from 10.6% in the previous month. Yeah. 10.6? Yeah, we're closer to 13, I think. Not the consumer price index, but inflation in general. I think we're closer to 13. Everything realized. Um, marking the first half uh, for 17 months, the Eurostat figures wrong-footed financial analysts who expected inflation to slide only modestly to 10.4%. Oh my gosh. Well, that's because I think that there, <laughs> it was um, fuel, it was gas and energy that reduced its prices um, just enough to reflect that so let's wait until december let's wait until january and let's see where inflation is um truly where the cpi is i should say and uh, watch it's gonna shoot back up um economists are expected to now anticipate a policy policy shift by the ecb to smaller interest rate rises when members of its governing council meet next month Though they are likely to come under pressure from politicians in Germany, shocked by the arrival of double-digit annual price increases, or rises, they say rises, um, to bring down inflation more quickly. This is brutal. German inflation fell from 11.6 to 11.3, while France, which has capped price rises by state-owned energy firms, found inflation was flat at 7.1%. I don't even know how that's possible. 
capping price rises. Um, yeah, they're going to want to recover their losses because it's costing them more to produce what they are selling. So, but it is state owned energy. So, um, manipulation for state sake is part and parcel. So we'll see what the reality is in the coming quarters. Uh, anyway, uh, finally, we are at the end of the hometown daily news show for the first day of December. Congratulations. If you are listening to this, you made it all the way through to the end. Go over to hometown.com, sign up, become a citizen. Let me know you're there. Post a message. Say hello. There's a Discord, but I don't really do anything on it. I have a Twitter, but I don't do anything on it. And I'm really shy about Twitter Twitter now because eh, it's just a dumpster fire. But um, Twitch, that's my jam. So if you're here in my chat, thanks. If you are not here in my chat and you are getting this via the podcast or via the YouTube channel or via uh, some other podcatcher, because whenever I say podcast, I think of Apple, but there are different venues for the podcast now, pretty much everywhere. Thanks. And come and talk to me every day, 6 p.m. Eastern. And um, we'll see what happens in the new year. I've got, I don't know, maybe 30 VR titles now that I'm going to be doing. I'm really into VR. I, I really dig it. Um, I don't have a bunch of different headsets because I just don't really, it, that kind of stuff doesn't matter to me. I'm interested in the tech and can talk about the tech, but um, I'm going to be doing a lot of VR gaming in the new year. I'm probably late night gaming. Um, so come and hang out. I'll see you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Bye bye.